I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to ETFs for Beginners, where we'll be breaking down the barriers to investing in exchange-traded funds, more commonly known as ETFs. I'm Phil Muscatello and I'm joined by my co-host, Anna Christina. How are you today, Anna? I'm doing well, Phil. How are you? Very good. Thank you. So, who are we talking to today? Ah, Today, we're excited to have Jessica Long from BetaShares, who's one of Australia's largest managers of ETFs. Thanks for joining us today, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. So, Jessica, you're an ETF portfolio manager with BetaShares. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started working in finance and what your role entails? Yeah, sure. So I've always been interested in finance, you can say. So ever since a young age, I've kind of envisioned myself working in finance. But I guess back in the day, I just saw myself as an investment banker. That was all that was kind of portrayed in the media as finance, you know, either investment banker or trader on the busy floor of Wall Street. And then during high school, I found that, I guess, maths was my strong suit. So that's why I did actuarial studies along with applied finance and uni. And that was when I definitely knew that I did not want to go down the actuarial path and become an actuary. So that's why straight out of uni, I started working at Macquarie as an operational role for structured products. And then from there, moved on to investment risk role and then later into equities. And now shortly or a bit more than a year ago, I joined BetaShares as ETF portfolio manager. Oh, what a great career of uh, moving through all the different areas. So how did you decide to work at BetaShares and what got you interested in ETF specifically? I guess since I've always been interested in finance, but then what I found even from a younger age back then before ETFs were more popular was that the barriers to entry were much harder for someone that wanted to invest in. So it'll probably be If you're buying a single stock, you have to pay $20 on brokerage with a minimum trading amount of $500 just for a name. So for someone maybe that was a bit younger or uni or just wanting to start out investing, that can be quite a lot of money. And then, for example, then if you wanted to go through unlisted managed funds, the minimum investment amount was usually, let's say, ten or 20000 So. What I really like about ETFs is that it's really democratized the investing space, especially for younger people. It's lower barriers to entry and it's just made it more affordable and easy for people to invest and to build their wealth. It's lucky that you didn't end up as an actuary because it's an old joke. What's the definition of an actuary? Someone who's good with numbers, but hasn't got the personality to be an accountant. (laughs) You've obviously got a lot more personality than that. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, I hope so. So tell us about um, the ETFs that you manage, but if I could also find out what is it that you actually do? I mean, what's the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning and turn the computer on and log in? Sure. So some of the ETFs that I manage, I manage most or all of the ESG ETFs that we have in our suite. So that includes Epi, Fair, Earth, as well as our diversified ESG funds, so DBBF, DGGF, and DZZF, along with some other funds such as robotics and AI, so RBTZ, and some more international and domestic funds. 
So I guess what I actually do. So my job entails looking after the underlying assets of the ETF themselves. So for example, let's just take FAIR, for example, then I'm actually the one in charge of trading the underlying stocks and managing the cash and the positions to make sure that it tracks the index as close as possible. So then I guess a day in my life. So First things first, always in the morning is to prepare the morning files to go to the ASX and market makers. And that's essentially when we do quality check of all our funds, making sure the positions are in line, we have enough cash. Is there any upcoming trades that I need to do? So all that needs to be done before 9am. And then from 9 to 10, is that's when I kind of catch up on overnight markets, read the news and just kind of prep for my day. So markets open at 10, so that's when we need to monitor the market open to make sure the spreads are all right for our funds and to make sure the market makers are quoting on all our funds that investors can trade as soon as market opens. And then from then on, we'll move on to some product development and some meetings, and then we'll start trading, and that's when I get my hands down and dirty and start trading for the funds around 2 o'clock. Wow, (laughs) that's amazing. So you talked about market makers, and it's something we haven't covered on the podcast yet, but market makers are an important aspect of ETF management. What do they do? So market makers are essential to the ETF ecosystem. So they're the ones that provide liquidity so that investors can easily trade or invest in our ETFs on the ASX. And this is an important aspect of ETFs, isn't it? That um, the price reflects the value of the underlying assets on a moment-by-moment basis. That's the big difference between a managed fund and an ETF. Is that the case? Yeah, so unlisted managed funds, you only get one price, so the NAV end-of-day price, which is usually struck then, and that's the price that you get when you're either applying or redeeming. While, for example, an ETF, there's such thing as INAV or the NAV, which tracks the real-life price of the underlying stocks to best reflect the basket of stocks that you hold in the ETF. So that the price of the ETF that you trade will be as close to the true underlying value as possible. Oh, Jessica, that's super fascinating. I love hearing about all of this. But I'd love to also ask you a little bit about content creation. So I know that you are a content creator. You focus on investing in all things ETFs on a couple different platforms. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you do content creation while working full time. Yeah, so from my point of view, there's not enough hours in a day, but I'm pretty sure many of us can agree with that too. But I guess the main reason why I decided to start my social media was actually the rise of influencers themselves. So I would see on my personal social media, you know, people starting to talk about stocks or crypto, and some are just there to share their experience, and I'm all for that as well. But at the same time, there are others who are kind of not doing the right thing and who are essentially nudge, nudge, giving financial advice without the proper credentials and without properly understanding like risk and the profile and the stuff that essentially might be putting other people's money at harm. So that's why I decided to start my social media, just to raise awareness for financial literacy. And I thought, you know, who else to better speak in this space than the person actually managing the ETF themselves. Yeah. And I think hearing your perspective is so valuable from someone who actually works in that space. So I'd love to hear more, like, how does that crossover work for you? Is it, is it a conflict of interest or is it just amazing to be able to work in the financial space and talk about that content or create that content as well? 
Yeah, so it's essentially working 24-7. <laughs> you don't really get to take your mind off work or ETS for that matter. Uh, no, I wouldn't say there's a conflict of interest because my main priority is about educating and informing people out there just about the basic concepts behind investing and ETFs to just enable them or to give them the tools so that they can make decisions and understand products by themselves. So another reason why I started my social media was to actually raise awareness, not only for financial literacy, but also ETF portfolio manager as a possible career path for both boys and girls. So as you may know, the number of females we have working in finance is already low, but then when you move on to the investment side, that number is even lower. So that's why I just wanted, you know, to be the part of the representation to show people that this is a possible career path and that, you know, it's actually really great. Um, you get to do amazing stuff and hopefully if someone decides that this is what they want to be, I'll be very happy and satisfied. I absolutely love that because as a woman in tech, I have the same kind of situation where I love hearing about different pathways, especially for minorities or women or people of color in that space. So I love what you're doing. Thank you. And it's interesting as well that these days in financial services, the kind of skills that are required are not just necessarily finance skills. So if you've got any kind of um, arts background or design background, it's actually a great industry to work in, isn't it? Yeah, so lots of skills are transferable. And I would say it obviously is helpful to have some financial background. But at the end of the day, I always see skills, the most important skill needed is how you solve a problem It's problem solving, right? And then I guess having a financial background just makes you more equipped to solve financial specific problems. But at the end of the day, for example, coding or stuff like that just equips you with the skills. And yeah, as long as you start investing, that's always what I tell people. Just get your hands down and dirty and you can pick it up quite easily. So then it's yeah, everyone can do it. It's interesting. I've spoken to so many social media marketing managers who've started working in the finance space who actually do suddenly think, oh, I didn't realise it was actually this easy <laughs> to learn about it. <laughs> yeah, because I think once you just have the context, actually everything else makes sense. So that's probably why when you're studying, you might find it difficult because you're just reading it off a textbook. You don't actually understand the end-to-end or see how it flows on or how it fits in the picture. But once you actually start investing or you're working in the industry itself, everything just makes sense. And it's also because you're surrounded by so many very smart, very talented people who can explain things to you face to face, which most people don't get as they're growing up. Yeah. This is something that we're asking every interviewee to try and define for listeners what an ETF actually is. What's your take on this, Jessica? So the simple textbook answer is just that it's a basket of underlying assets. It can be stocks, bonds that aims to track an underlying index or asset class. So now my explanation that I like to give or the long way gives is that you can think of an ETF as your party mix of lollies. So, you know, sometimes like you just, you don't exactly know what you want, but you know, you want something sweet. Or in this case, you know, you want exposure to the equity market, but then you don't know, for example, how to choose or what's best to choose, but you just know you want something. So that's why an ETF is a good choice. It gives you diversity and also because it's transparent. So we, we show you the holdings every single day. So it's kind of like, you know what you're going to get in your mixed bag, but you just don't know exactly what it is. You just get everything. And then also from a cost perspective wise, it's a lot cheaper than you buying 10 separate bags of lollies to match up all the flavors for the price or similar price. You can just get a basket of them all at once. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So allocation, when you start first approaching the market and you think, okay, I understand what an ETF is, how do you start thinking about the best way of allocating your funds to a portfolio and constructing something like that? Yeah, so this, as I say, depends on personal preferences. And the biggest factor that I would say is how much time you want to spend building your portfolio. So, you know, some people like doing their research, like stock picking, like curating and like managing their portfolio every single day. But whereas some people, they kind of don't want the hassle. You know, they just want to know that they're invested and they're in the market and they kind of want the low touch, minimal touch portfolio. But I would say for those of you that don't really know what you want or just starting out, the easiest or one of the best stepping stones to start off with is just with a broad market cap weighted index. So you're essentially getting the market, for example, index will be the ASX 200 so that you are exposed to the market, but you're not stock picking per se. And then from there, what I like to say or what we like to tell people is that there's a portfolio construction method known as the core satellite method. So where the majority of your portfolio is held in core holdings. So core holdings is what we define as your low risk beta holdings that just give you exposure to the market. So going back to the broad market cap weighted index ETFs, that can be one of your core holdings. So now the satellites, which have a smaller weight, for example, your individual stock pickings that you like, or your thematics or your themes that you like, sector exposures, or even crypto, it's just so that you have the majority of your portfolio in a core, which is relatively low risk, but still gives you market exposure. And then you can add on smaller proportions as you go. I know that some uh, beta share ETFs that get talked about quite a bit, and you've mentioned the A200, there's also FE, NDQ, Fair Earth. Those are some popular ones I see also on Perler. Can you talk a little bit about why you think these are specifically popular and what your thoughts are? Yeah, sure. So I think what BetaShares has done really well is that we're just trying to give our investors the biggest range or equip them with tools to best build their portfolio. So starting off with A200, so starting as a foundation building block or even the NASDAQ, the NDQ100, it's a great building block just to give you broader exposure. And then from then on, People can choose their thematics or themes. And then what we've seen has resonated really well with investors is ESG. So that's why I think Ethi, Fair, and even Earth have done really well because it's just really resonated with all types of investors. So it, it's got the most comprehensive set of screens available in the market. It's one of the first ESG funds available in the market, especially in an ETF structure. And um, it's suitable for those that kind of just range from a light green to a dark green. So that's why I think they've done really well. Yeah. And can you define what ESG is for people who might not know? Yeah. So ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. So just taking those additional factors into your portfolio. So for example, you might screen out some sin stocks such as tobacco, fossil fuel or nuclear weapons. And then you might also then tilt on some impact so that your portfolio creates positive impact and you're not just screening out sin stocks. Yeah. And that's really popular right now as well. You can hear a lot of people talking about ESG as well in the investing world. It seems to me that um, governance is often overlooked in the ESG 
definitions as well. But that's really important. It's about how, well, I believe, but correct me if I'm wrong, that's the way companies treat people. Is that correct? Yeah, and I guess governance is also just a factor which is harder to define in terms of words or letters of how we can implicate that or how we can incorporate that into the methodology into your portfolio. But for example, FE and FAIR, we've got some screens, which is human labor rights, and then also controversy screens that also pick up on these issues. And as well as if there's no female board leaders or board members, then we will exclude those companies as well. That's really interesting. Another fund that's incredibly popular that's just been released is Crypt. Tell us about Crypt and um, what investors could expect from uh, that sort of exposure. Yeah, sure. So Crypt or CRYP is our Crypto Innovators ETF. Let's just start off with, and I'm making it clear that the fund actually doesn't hold any physical crypto, but instead it gives you exposure by investing in stocks in the crypto economy. So essentially you're getting exposure to the picks and shovels, to the companies building the crypto mining equipment, the crypto trading revenues. And it's just a really exciting fund because it's great for those that kind of still want exposure to crypto, but don't want to physically hold crypto or just still not ready to start investing in actual Bitcoin or Ethereum or the likes of that. This ETF launched recently and it's broken all records left, right and center, I would say. So it broke the ETF debut trading volume on the ASX just within the first 15 minutes of its launch. And within the first four days, it's gathered over $100 million in assets. And I think it's currently just sitting a bit over 130 million. So what this product have proven is that there was definitely pent up demand, or at least our investors want exposure to the crypto ecosystem. What's really encouraging to see, because we can see the trade sizes, is that investors are allocating a small portion to this space. So they're not just dumping their life savings in. They know that this is a high risk product. So that's why they're allocating a smaller proportion or going back to our core satellite. It would sit in the satellite portion of their portfolio. You provided some interesting statistics about investors in the CRIP ETF. What other kind of information do you have about um, investors in ETFs that you can see from who's buying and selling? I suppose you've got some really quite close insights there. Yeah, so we know that the ETF industry or people investing in ETFs has really kicked off, especially since COVID. But I guess the most interesting stat that I found personally is that investing is getting younger and there's a greater percentage of which is females as well. So a little stat that I have is a bit over five years ago, 17% of all investors on our database, they were younger than 40 years old. So that's 17% of everyone that we have were younger than 40 years old. So I think that was quite astounding. In general, just 10% were female. So that's relatively low. And now just, I guess, in the last year, that number has gone from 17% to 65%. So now majority are actually under 40 years old and the percentage of females have risen from 10 to 23%. Wow, that's so impressive. I think it's a testament to see how investing has become democratized in a way. It's much more accessible for people, especially individuals and women. So um, I love hearing stats like that. So it's interesting now that you're saying that there's younger investors and there's a lot more female investors getting involved in this area. How are you finding that in terms of the crossover with your work as a content creator? 
Yeah, so I try to make my content more tailored, I guess, to what people want and what they're more curious in. But what I still like to do is still focus on the basics. So instead of just talking about product specifics, I don't like to share what I invest in personally, but instead I like to teach people the concepts of what they need to know so that they can understand a product and what they need to know when they're looking at a fund's website and what factors to take into consideration when trying to build out their portfolio. And uh, are there any common questions that you get that uh, just keep on recurring? What ETF should I buy? (laughs) Or or, um, what's the best portfolio allocation? Just all those things which are very personal, but that's why I always answer with know your investment goals, know your risk profile, and then from there, just slowly learn and tweak as you go. What is a risk profile? So a risk profile is someone's capacity and tolerance to take on risk. So for example, when you're young, your highest assets are actually your human capital because you're still working for many years and you have essentially time. Time is on your side to help you accumulate assets. So you have more time to take on risk. So for example, if the market pulls back, then you have time to recover. But for example, who's someone who's older that's about to retire soon, they might not have that time. So that's why they need to be on a lower risk and maybe have a stronger focus on capital preservation. Do you know for how long usually people hold some of these ETFs? Do you know the average holding period? I would say it really depends on the product itself, but I guess like your platform and like what I like to preach on my social media is that you're investing for the long term. So the best is to just, yes, invest for the long term. (laughs) Yeah, that's great advice that we hear everywhere, right? (laughs) And where can people buy some beta share ETFs? Yep. So you can buy ETFs or invest in ETFs through most brokerage platforms. So like Perla or for example, your Comsec, your Superhero or even Comsec Pocket. So they have a choice of seven ETFs for you to choose from. But yes, anywhere that you can trade a stock, most likely you're able to invest in ETFs as well. Great. And if people want some more information or anything that they're looking into, where should they look? So you can find me on my social media. I'm on both Instagram and TikTok. My handle is at the long way. So T-H-E-L-E-U-N-G-W-A-Y. So that's where I educate and inform about all things investing in ETF in a fund manageable size manner. And you can get in touch with me also via LinkedIn. Jessica, thanks so much for being on the show. It was really informative. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Jessica. It's been great chatting with you. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend. It may help them and help us keep going with the show. Also, don't forget to rate us. ETFs for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not ETFs for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances, or current situation. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.